brought to you by Charity Mobile, the phone company that sends 5% of your monthly plan price to your favorite charity. No contracts, nationwide coverage, risk-free guarantee. Learn more at CharityMobile.com. The stories keep rolling in. Cardinal Burke's latest dubia has actually been responded to. I covered that for you earlier this week, and it's making tidal waves in the news. But the responses to both his dubia and Francis's responses to it keep coming in, and they illustrate one thing perfectly for us. Two separate religions appear to be occupying the same spaces, the same buildings, the same properties, and both claim the name Catholicism. If that sounds hyperbolic, I don't mean it to sound that way. I'm simply telling you what I think is the unvarnished truth. The de facto schism that so many people have been saying is coming is here and has been here for ages. These responses to Burke's statement make that absolutely clear, so let's dive into some of them here now because they're rather eye-opening. But first, I wanted to give a shout-out to the patrons and supporters of Return to Tradition who, for like a dollar a month or so, help keep these messages coming and they allow me to stay available to drop everything I'm doing when breaking news happens and bring those stories to you. So thanks to them for their continued support. Now, if you want to join them, you can do so by hitting the join button below or by following the links to Patreon or subscribe star in the box below. There are perks to supporting the work here as well. So thanks, and let's get to the reactions to Cardinal Burke's message by starting with New Ways Ministry, which is the organization that Pastor Jimmy Martin is closely allied with. That diabolical organization has been working for decades to get the church to admit that she, meaning the church, and God have been wrong the whole time about the James Martin sin. Not that they would characterize it that way, of course, but that is in effect the nature of the work they're doing. They're saying, no, God, really, the James Martin sin doesn't really cry out to heaven for justice. You're wrong. The Bible's wrong. You should listen to us because the council says we now have a new understanding of human dignity. That's pretty much what they're saying. So Newley's ministry ran a story on their website celebrating Francis telling priests that it was up to them, not even up to their bishops, on whether or not they could bless sin. Here's the most important part of their reporting. Quote, can the church change? That question is the headline of a new article in U.S. Catholic. Author Don Clemmer attempts to answer this question, which is often asked by many James Martin Catholics, longing to see the church embrace more inclusive teachings. Clemmer starts with clarifying definitions. Dogmas are doctrines about concepts such as the Trinity and the Immaculate Conception that the church has defined as being divinely revealed. Doctrines outside of the dogma category can shift over time and are subject to development in the church's understanding. Other teachings, like clerical celibacy, are mere disciplines that can change as needed. Perhaps the terminology of evolution is most helpful, says Bishop John Stowe, OFM, of Lexington, Kentucky. Clemmer quotes the bishop as saying, We're living with a 2,000-year-old institution that has to adapt itself to contemporary realities. He emphasizes that the church evolves as it responds prayerfully, pastorally, and appropriately to those realities. Stowe added, I hope nobody seriously believes that nothing can change. End quote. Brace for change, folks. And by the way, you notice how they confuse the use of the word doctrine and dogma interchangeably there? Anyway, they then rather predictably go on to say that many things in the church have allegedly changed, and they cite them. Note that most of these changes came under Francis and in the post-Vatican II era. They cite as examples of how the church can change, 
his doctrinal teachings, the changes made by Francis on communion for the divorced and remarried in Amoris Laetitia. They cite the change made by Francis to the teaching on the uh, ultimate punishment the state can impose on a criminal, and they cite the change Francis made through his repudiation of a distortion of the church's doctrine of discovery, which historically only was the church saying that all people on that exist now and have ever existed belong to God, and all people discovered anywhere belong to God, and as such, they should hear the gospel by the church Christ founded, and that those who rebel against the gospel are rebelling against God. That's what it means. But in our age of relativism, whose spiritual mascots are Judas Iscariot and Pontius Pilate, that doctrine was especially nasty, at least to them. But the authors don't stop there. Not really. They, the author then cites Francis's work making people who are confused about the immutable reality of the flesh feel welcome, especially they cite a nun who does work in that area of undermining the faith. He thought James Martin was bad. Brace for this. Quote, Ministries such as Duron's, the, the nun we're talking about, paved the way for the church to consider the needs of James Martin types, and eventually to reject exclusionary doctrines. Loving people on the margins is the first step in the process of change, described by Annie Selleck, a theologian and associate director of the Georgetown University Women's Center. Selleck explains, Church teaching and church practice have a cyclical relationship. At its best, church teaching should reflect what is currently happening in the church. Of course, this mechanism of change is only effective if the church knows what is currently happening within it. The current synod on synodality signals Pope Francis's willingness to listen to voices of ordinary Catholics, including those on the margins. Nicole Flores, associate professor of religious studies at the University of Virginia, says that for the church to change, we have to change our horizon. We have to alter where we're actually looking to include people at the periphery of the church in our scope of consideration. The listening actions of the synodal process are one stage, one kind of event that happens in that process. But listening does not necessarily lead directly to change. End quote. I think get the idea, folks. That article is a very, very wordy way of saying this statement by Francis is only the beginning. Get ready for more change. Now, it's worth noting that as the Synod on Synodality continues, many of the cardinals who will have the best shot at becoming the next Roman pontiff in the next few years are participating, and how this plays out could give us some insight into who could follow Francis into the papacy. Will they be one who espouses a further democratization of the church, like that article clearly is saying, or not? Now, one such participant is Cardinal Gerhard Mueller, who at the age of 75 is getting a bit too long in the tooth to get elected to the papacy. He's been invited to participate by Francis, and Mueller is very much a conservative post-conciliar cardinal, and has been increasingly opposed to the things happening at the Synod. The day that Francis responded to Cardinal Burke's latest dubia, Cardinal Mueller also responded to Cardinal Burke, and he expressed his support of Burke's new dubia, and he even... Well, brace yourself for this. He sounded a bit like Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano when he did. So here's what Cardinal Gerhard Mueller had to say about the dubia. Cardinal Mueller's full statement, as published by LifeSite News. I have defended Catholic doctrine against pseudo-modernism, especially in the last 10 years, thus fulfilling before God in my conscience my responsibility as bishop and cardinal for the sake of orthodox doctrine. But I am glad when others in their own way do what is necessary, and remind the Pope of his God-given responsibility 
for the preservation of the church and the teaching of the apostles. At present, there is a career-enhancing but heretical position that God reveals himself only to Pope Francis through direct information in the Holy Spirit, and that bishops have only to blindly repeat these heavenly illuminations and mechanically pass them on like speaking puppets. A bishop, however, by virtue of his consecration, is the successor of the apostles and authentic teacher of the gospel of Christ. But in the college of all bishops with the Pope as the ever-present visible principle of the unity of the church in revealed truth and in its sacramental communion, this is the true doctrine of the primacy of the Pope, and not the neo-papalism of those who want to surrender the church of Christ to the ideology of atheistic and anti-human Davos capitalism. Their fraudulent pretext is the adaptation of the allegedly obsolete word of God, as if in Christ all truth was not given to us, to the standards of a pseudoscientific anti-matrimony anthropology and a civilization of ending. Every Catholic believes in the divine and Catholic truth that in Peter the bishops of Rome are installed as his legitimate successors. But as a theologically enlightened disciple of Christ, he opposes the caricature of the papacy, in both the anti-Roman polemic of the reformers at the time and the parrot-like understanding of uncatholic neo-papalism or papagismo. Thus, they expose the Catholic faith to ridicule in a secular public that does not believe in the fact of the historical revelation of God in Christ and uses the Pope, whether they realize it or naively go along with it does not matter to them, as an authority to win the, in their eyes, backwards and unlightened Catholic masses for the Novus Ordo Seclorum of 2030. Mueller sounds like a lot like Archbishop Vigano in that statement, especially in the ending line where he accuses the Pope splainers and hyperpapolitors of selling the faith out to the secular rulers who have nothing but contempt for Christ and his church. There have been a lot of responses like this, and I suspect that we will hear from Archbishop Vigano on this as well in the coming days. If we don't hear from Schneider or Strickland or Aguirre or a few of the other better bishops, I'd be surprised. They will pro some of them at least will probably be responding, and I will do my best to bring those to you. Francis's response to Burke demands a response, as does the absolute jubilation you can see among the hypermodernists who think that Francis is a divine oracle who can change the faith. But I'm curious what you have to say about all this, so let me know in the comments. What have you heard from people? What's the word on the street? Are they are typical Catholics happy with Francis's statement? Are they siding with Burke? Are they talking about leaving the faith altogether? Really, I'm curious what people in your life are telling you about this, because, as I said in my video Tuesday morning, I fully expect there to be people who walk away because of what Francis said here, that this was the last straw for them, and that they will go and seek greener pastures, what they think, by embracing the heresies of various Protestant groups or the errors of the Eastern Orthodox or whatnot. And so I'm very curious what you're seeing because we should push back on any movement to for people to leave the church over the errors of a Roman pontiff who won't be around that much longer, or an alleged Roman pontiff, if you prefer. Anyway, let me know in the comments, please. If you like and subscribe if you haven't, it does help. So to share this on social media, that helps too. So always pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.